There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I'm Jordan Hall, and I am pumped to be joined by the Flyers pre- and post-game live crew, Ashlyn Sullivan, our pre- and post-host, and Joe Fordyce, our pre- and post-producer. After a 5-1-1 homestand for the Flyers, they hit the road last night for the first time in over two and a half weeks and had maybe one of their most chaotic and craziest games (laughs) of the season. Uh, 74 penalty minutes, three fights in the second period. They had only 11 shots all game, but somehow found a way to tie the game in the third period, despite being down four to one. And then they lose in overtime, drop to one and 12 in overtime. Ashlyn, I'll start with you. What were you and Al Morgani saying to each other in studio as that game was unfolding in the third period? Al actually called it, which is crazy enough. Al called it to a T exactly what was going to happen. And that's just the knowledge of Al Morganti. I mean, for them to make it to overtime with 11 shots on goal and just more so the Flyers game as a whole was just the epitome of the Flyers season. It felt like the ups and downs, the roller coasters, everyone counting them out, them somehow making it into overtime with zero offense and then to lose in the most disappointing fashion was just I felt like the epitome of the season if you ask what has the flyer season been like I think everyone should just watch last night's game and it will all make sense that is seriously a perfect way to put it they don't do anything in boring fashion they don't win in boring fashion they don't lose in boring fashion and just they epitomize unpredictable uh Joe what were you thinking when you watched were, did, did you take more away from the fight that they showed? Or did you really think they just lacked offensive chances and dangerous chances? Well, God, it seemed like they came out of in the, in the beginning of the game. They just it, – it, it looked uninterested. Um, and you could say that they're at that point where they're playing out the string. But a lot of these guys have a lot to play for in terms of uncertainty with their own futures. So that was surprising to me. Um, I feel like this team has done this, as Ashlyn alluded to, so many times where they play lifeless and then in the third period they decide that to kick it in and maybe catch the team where they think they've already won the game. And um, they, they, they're able to make some noise, which they did last night. I don't know if the fights fired them up because the fights happened early in the game. The hitting and all that sort of stuff happened early. And it's not like it took effect right away. So it was very um, – it was a really odd game. And I think I think Al said on the post game, the first thing he said was, this was a really weird game. And I think that's the best way to describe it. It was really weird when you factor everything in that went on in that game. It was just a weird game. 
yeah, I believe Al said it made no sense. <laughs> and I think we could all agree with that. It did not make any sense. A 5-4 overtime loss to the Senators up in Ottawa. I thought Ottawa looked like a team that's trying to make a desperate push for the playoffs, fighting for its playoff lives. Claude Giroux finished off a nice little three-game stint against his old club. Two goals, three assists in three games against the Flyers this year. Ashlyn, what did you think of Nicholas Delorier fighting not only once but twice uh, back-to-back? It seemed like one thing he has done all year is protect his teammates. He definitely did it there. Yeah, I believe he now leads the league in penalty minutes, and that just seems to be his persona, and he wears it well. Everyone knows he's that type of guy, and he's like, I'm not going to try to not be that type of guy. I thought it was rare, and, and talking to Al, I, I understand even more so how rare it is that he got in the second fight up into leading into the bench and how you normally don't see that. It just it seemed like these were two clubs that have a history that are very intense, and that's why – I thought it was interesting when we were talking pregame and, and you're talking basically about these two clubs that, that aren't in it. I mean, Ottawa still has a chance, but it's something, a lot of things have to go right. And it didn't seem like they were playing that way. I mean, these were teams that were too very much into this game. And I think especially at this point of the year for the flyers, especially to play that passionately when truthfully they don't really need to, I think says a lot about, especially the young guys on the team. Yeah. Why? Well, uh well, I definitely think the Flyers just didn't really come to play early on in the game, and they just lacked um, the offensive, uh, the offense that we've seen over the homestand. Uh, it, it was good that they're at least caring, they're at least showing that fight uh, when a team's trying to take it to them. They, they didn't back down, and uh, they could have easily said, "Hey, this game doesn't mean anything for us," um, and kind of shied away from it. They didn't. Good for them. And Joe, I think if people were watching and they saw cameras being zoomed in on Brad Shaw, and then they see a camera shown on John Tortorella sitting next to Danny Briere, they're probably thinking, wow, what the heck's going on? <laughs> Tortorella watches the game next to the interim general manager from the booth. Kind of felt like a preseason thing where you're evaluating and not really worried about coaching. What did you think of that by Tortorella? Well, it definitely was out of the ordinary. But what I will say is all, all of the his coach speak about evaluating and things like that. I think a lot of times that kind of stuff when coaches say it and a lot of people think it's like a, a bunch of word salad with him. I don't. And I think last night was just the latest example of how this guy. I guess practice is what he preaches is the way to say it because he's been talking about evaluating and wanting to see everything. And then, you know, he, the shots they showed of him up there in the boot, he, he looks so dialed into it. It's not like he's up there, you know, having a soda and standing back away from like the, uh, the edge where you're watching the game and having conversation. He looks like he's totally locked in and I will say that the guy is dedicated. He's dedicated to his, uh, as he calls it, process. That's not a fun word here in Philadelphia. Um, it might, the meaning of it might change if the Sixers go on a run in the playoffs here, but nobody likes to hear the word process, but he uses it quite frequently. And he's, everything he does shows he is dedicated to the process that he and Danny Briere and whoever is involved has laid out to bring this team back to what they once were. And there's nothing about him that seems 
um, I'll say inauthentic about that process. Um, because listen, there's a world where you could have heard that last night and just say, okay, he's kind of done with the season, but he, nothing about what he did, how he looked or anything like that said that he was done with the season. He, he, he seems completely in on um, kind of making these final evaluations over the last few games of the year here. And, um, you know, he brings up very frequently the subtraction part of the next step. And you, you can almost see him going – like with a checklist, like, and like crossing guys off. And um, I think we're all wait anticipating what is going to happen starting really the day after the season ends. But I mean, I know we can't fully kick in the gear when you have 16 teams in the playoffs and pending free agents and all that stuff that are still playing. But I, I think this is going to be fascinating what goes on here once the season ends with from everything from the the front office structure to him. I mean, I think we all are expecting that he's going to determine a couple of guys who are not the most easily movable players are part of the subtraction part of this team. And then seeing how they go about moving them, how they go about replacing them. All of that stuff, I think, is just going to be fascinating. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. I thought with Tortorella sitting next to Briere, I, I, I felt it was just probably Tortorella really wanting to evaluate things in real time next to his general manager and maybe kind of do it that way. They probably talk a lot you know, before and after games, but here was the chance to do it in real time. And perhaps it was a chance to kind of amplify his message to players that these games matter and we're watching closely and we're evaluating. Ashlyn, speaking of John Tortorella, he had a very interesting comment the other day about if this process with the Flyers reminded him of any of his past experiences. And he brought up Tampa, his first ever coaching job, where they were really rebuilding big time. And obviously he led them to a cup, but then he said, what makes this different is all the gray area. He said, there's a lot of gray area within the organization off the ice too. Uh, and mentioned he needs less grayness. Yeah. What did you make of those comments? It shows me there's still a lot of work to be done. And I love that he's talking about it and that he's honest about it. I think a lot of coaches, especially when it doesn't have to do with hockey operations, the way I took that is really the Flyers organization as a whole, that there are issues with it right now. And it's not just coaching GM and players. It's a lot of things that have a lot of hands with the players. It's it's everything that has to do the day-to-day with the players. You want it to be the best. And it's clear and towards his eyes, it's not anywhere close to the best right now. And, and he should have a say in that. And I think that's why all the time when we say or we talk about, oh, they're not as far away as people think, or look at this, and we try to be optimistic and, and say, look, look what's in front of you, he's always the one that pulls back. And I think he has to right now because, like he said, this is an easy fix, and there are things that need to change. And 
I, I believe he's going to change him because he's already talking about it. I mean, this seems like he's got the keys to the city and it's like, let's, let's, let's go, let's change it. And I think whether this is negative or not, I think he's kind of looking forward to the subtraction. I think he's looking forward to taking the next step of people that don't want to be here. Let's move them on. And like he talks about the bus analogy all the time, the people that want to be on the flyers bus, let's go to the next stop now. He really feels like I think he's going to put his imprint on this. And that's, yeah, I agree, Ash. And I think that's why he's probably looking forward to it because he feels like he's really going to start to mold it into what he thinks it needs to be. Yeah, that really told me a couple, two eye-opening things. One, he's talking about off-ice. He's not even talking about on the ice because he mentioned it's not just the on-ice product. He's talking about gray areas within the organization. So that tells me he's not super thrilled with some things off the ice. And then, two, it told me that he's going to have a lot of say in this thing moving forward because, uh, he, yeah, he, like people are going to listen to him and he's going to have a lot of say in changes. So it just told me that, one, he has a, he's going to have a lot of say in the offseason because uh, if he's voicing his opinion to us, the media, he's certainly going to be voicing it to people in-house. And, two, there's going to be some changes. I, I feel like it's not – you know, this is not – the changes that we've seen so far, it's not done here uh, there's going to be probably some change, I would think, not only with the roster, but some stuff off the ice. So certainly some eye-opening comments, Joe. Yeah, it's funny. I've never heard a person use the word subtraction and gray area more than this guy. They seem to be the two uh, buzz terms, over at least over the last two or three weeks, as we get closer to the end of the season. Um and I feel like when you listen to him talk, you can almost decipher who some of the – you can definitely decipher who some of the favorites are. I mean, I think we all realize Noah Cates is a, a big um, – he is really kind of the apple of this coach's eye at this point. We, you know, we hear him praise him for really every aspect of his game. Um, I feel like he really wants Morgan Frost – to become the consistent offensive force that we've now seen him become over the last few games. And maybe Morgan Frost has taken – I felt like at the beginning of the season there was some when, – when John Tortorella was critical of Morgan for kind of disappearing during stretches of games, and I don't mean within one game, I mean stretches of like three or four games in a row um, – that, that Morgan almost put too much pressure on himself and that caused that to fester and elongate. And now I feel like when, when Tortorella talks about Morgan more positively, Morgan thrives on that. And I feel like that is the point where he wanted Morgan to get to. And now he's gotten them to that point. And quite frankly, for that player, I think it's a shame that the season's coming to an end because I feel like he's kind of found his groove just as the season's like winding down now. And, um, but you know, all, all these young players, you have to figure that that consistency part is a huge part of these guys games. And so, I, you know, I, I do think it's interesting how he sends messages and, and talks about players through the media and doesn't always mention their names or, um, use the most explicit terms and sometimes he does, but other times he doesn't. And it's just very, um, 
it's going to be very interesting to hear him talk through this offseason. Because um, I think we're all expecting there's going to be a lot of moves. And to have him talk after each one is going to be fascinating. Yeah, I think clean out day should certainly be interesting because I have a feeling he'll be very honest about the big picture with us. If He's been very honest throughout the season um, about the Flyers process and what needs to be done and what's been accomplished and what hasn't. I have a feeling on clean out day, he'll be very forthright. Um, but uh, yeah, one thing is for sure, he's going to have a lot of say here. And while sometimes it may sound a little cutthroat uh, when he's talking about subtraction and this needs to be done. There's too much gray area and I want to see this and that the Flyers brought him in for this. They brought him in to change the culture and part of changing the culture is probably challenging people and challenging and forcing change. Uh, this is what the Flyers hired. They, they hired a guy to come in and change the culture and not be this super nice guy. So you got to prove everyone, everyone off the ice on the ice needs to probably prove something to this head coach because he's very much the face and the leader of the franchise right now. Catch all the sports action and more at Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Whether it's the money line or the pass line, there's something for everyone, including a great sports book. Rivers Casino, Philadelphia. Philly loves a winner. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ashlyn, we have not seen Carter Hart in net over the last two games. He's nursing a lower body injury. The Flyers deemed him day-to-day, so it doesn't sound overly serious. But it sounds like the Flyers are certainly going to err on the side of caution because there's no reason to rush Hart back. Uh, he's done plenty this season. Uh, it's not a bad thing if Felix Sandstrom gets some more starts. Mm-hmm. Do you think we'll see Carter Hart again? Uh, do you think we should see him again? Do you want to see Carter Hart in net over this last little stretch of games? No. I don't yeah. think we need to see him anymore. I think it's very solidified that he is the number one goalie and John Torello has said it 20 times. He's the best player on the Flyers team. If there's any indication that he is hurt or could get worse hurts going into a game, then absolutely not. There is zero point to play him the rest of the year. And it is good for Felix Sandstrom. I think for Felix, he really has to get over what John Torello keeps saying, that one goal. The one goal we always talk about. And my gosh, was it the one goal last night, which was so disappointing because he played so well. And Al and I talked about it on post game. It was like, name your pizza delivery service. It was just like, here, here's the game winning goal that we let in. And it just, it's so frustrating for, for Felix, I'm sure, because he can't get past that one goal that we're always talking about. So I would like to see more of him the rest of this year. I think you need to know where you stand with him in the future. Is, is that the guy who's going to be where it's always that one goal we talk about? Or can he work past that? Can he put consistent performances back to back? And then Arison. I mean, Arison has been such a storyline this season. I don't think Flyers fans would hate to see more of him as well. Everyone knows what Carter Hart is. If he's hurt, don't play him. There is zero reason to. Yeah, truly no reason to rush him back, uh, as you alluded to, Ashlyn. I think they have the book on Carter Hart. They know who he is. He's proved himself. And um, <clears throat> I think a big thing with Felix Sandstrom will be getting just consecutive starts. I mean, he's so often just – uh, summoned in, in tough situations where he doesn't even know if he's playing that morning, giving him some chance to giving him a chance to build starts would be really pivotal. You had to feel for him when he had that turnover in overtime because he just battled 
his butt off all game. I mean, he faced 46 shots, made 41 saves. Big reason why they had a chance to get to overtime, and then he just makes one mistake at the worst time. The one thing I will say is it will be interesting to see if they can at least get Carter Hart to dress for a game because I really think they want Samuel Erickson down in Lehigh Valley for that playoff push. Uh, I just don't think they want to go with some of the other goalies they have down there. Their season's kind of the, – the situation in net is kind of in a weird place down there when Erickson's not there. Uh, so I really wonder if they can at least get Carter Hart back to a spot where he can dress and back up and perhaps play if needed while still riding Sandstrom, giving him a, you know, a bigger sample size, letting him show what he can do. Uh, I'll be very interested to see how that plays out. Joe, how about you? What do you think? Do you want to see Carter Hart back in net at some point? I, I don't think there's any need to, but uh, the situation you just laid out with the with the Phantoms is very interesting. I mean, because obviously they want Samuel Harrison, but I I think Samuel Harrison is one of those guys that I talked about earlier where Tortorella, it's clear he likes Harrison and maybe he would like to have Harrison be part of the future of this team. So I think that is a, another big factor here. Does he want to evaluate him more? I don't know that he needs to, but maybe he wants to. But John Tortorella also seems very supportive of the playoff run with the Phantoms and how important that is. So I do think that they, if they can get Hart to dress, they want Arison back down there to be playing. If he's playing, playing down there. And I think it's obvious by the fact that he hasn't played any of these games since Hart got hurt. Because if he, if Tortorella really wanted him to play, Arison, I mean, to play on the NHL level anymore, I think he would have played last night's game. So I think it's obvious what they want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's, again, something to certainly watch moving forward here. The Flyers have a back-to-back this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, Saturday at home against the Sabres, Saturday on the road, or Sunday, excuse me, uh, on the road against the Penguins, both games on NBC Sports Philadelphia and NBC Sports Philadelphia Plus. Ashley and I thought one young kid to wrap us up here that stood out big time was Cam York last night. I mean, takes that huge hit, finds a way to stay in the game, plays 20-plus minutes, finishes with a point and assist. I think quietly he's just had a really good year, and he's looking like a foundation piece. What have you thought about York's play? Yeah, this is a guy that, that you wanted to see that from, right? In the gray area, I think Cam York was in that gray area. He's had a roller coaster of a season, didn't make the team, gets brought up, lights it up for a couple of weeks, and then slowly diminishes. And I think now, like Joe was talking about, for some players, you don't want the season to end. I think he's a great example of that. I mean, when he took that hit, Al and I were talking about, oh, we don't think he's coming back in the game. And Al was saying, I don't even know if he's going to play the rest of the season. That's what the hit looked like. Comes right back in. And also to show some emotion in post game when we played his locker room interview, you know, that was the first time I heard him with some juice. I think um, this is a player the Flyers want to see more out of. And the past week or so, you're seeing more out of him. And and you hope these last eight games he continues to rise because then you're feeling really good about him going into next year's training camp. It's a great point about seeing some emotion from Cam York. It's funny. He's, a, he's definitely a California kid laid back when you talk to him. And I think John Tortorella, his initial read on York was, this kid doesn't show me anything. He's just kind of in, in the middle. Yeah. I want to see more. But uh, I think you, you don't want to um, look at his uh, personality and, and maybe mistake it with his game. I think his game definitely 
there's an aggressiveness to it. He can definitely show you something on the ice. Joe, what have you thought about the 22-year-old defenseman uh, looking like possibly a piece to the future, a big piece? Yeah, and and quite frankly, the Flyers need him to be a big piece. They need him to be the quarterback of the top power play. They need him to be to to live up to the first round pick that they chose him with, and. I think you're seeing that. I, I, I really like last night. There was a mo- moment last night, and I think it was on the power play, when he got – the puck hit his stick, and it was off his stick toward the net so quick. that And it was – it turned into an inconsequential play. But just to see him be able to get the puck off his stick toward the net that quickly um, is exactly what you want to see from him. Um, and I loved his – his response when he was asked about the Watson hit. Um, I just thought it was, it was almost like a christening into being an NHL player when he takes a, a subtle, but a shot at a player that hit him during the game. Um, because two months ago, I would have, you could never have pictured him doing anything like that. And I, I audibly yelled, Whoa, when he said about him being a goon, because I was so surprised to hear it. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't have to be personality plus every single time, but, you know, to, to see a reaction like that, to see him be irked by it, um, and quite frankly, to see him be able to absorb a hit like that and still come back in the game, all of those are encouraging signs. Yeah, it definitely showed you his confidence, too, that, like, he knows how good he is, that he can make a comment like that because he definitely prides himself, I think, on being too quick, too elusive to even take those hits. So he knows he's confident in his game to avoid them to avoid them most of the time, and if he takes them, he can, he can shrug it off and keep playing. So good for him. Well, eight games left on this Flyers season, two over the weekend, as I mentioned, both on NBC Sports Philadelphia and NBC Sports Philadelphia Plus. We'll see pre- and post-game live with Ashlyn Sullivan and produced by Joe Flores for both of those games and plenty more to evaluate, plenty more to watch. And the Flyers are on a seven-game point streak, so we'll see if they can keep that going. Ashlyn, thank you so much. Great to see you. Great chatting with you. Joe, likewise, great to see you and great chatting with you. A big thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer and guru. And Flyers fans, of course, as always, thank you so much for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen. And we can't wait to talk to you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro... Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.